Long History, Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Part 2, The Lord of Canada. Hello everyone and we're on to the second part of the second journey by Jacques Cartier. This is the one where he heads up the St. Lawrence River and it's difficult to know exactly where he went but he seems to reach the area around Quebec City in this episode, making some of the earliest written references to the word Canada in the process. He meets the leaders of the areas, calling one in particular the Lord of Canada, and even mentions his name, Agujana. Just a reminder for any new listeners, this is the sixth part of a 15-part series. And here on Long History, we like to take source documents, the source documents themselves from the Age of Exploration, and split them up into digestible chunks of around 15 minutes or so. In that way, rather than listening to other people's opinions about what happened here, We've got the source itself, and so you can make your own judgments. Now I think we've just reached 300 episodes of Long History, so there'll be lots to explore on your podcast provider, but all the episodes are also gathered together on our website, longhistory.net. That's long history, all one word. And the last bit of housekeeping is just to say, to be informed of when the remaining episodes are released in this series, and future series of course, don't forget to follow or subscribe to this particular podcast. Okay, so let's get going with this current journey. And this journey begins with a bit of a backtrack as Cartier begins to explore the northern coast of the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And then he heads up the River St. Lawrence to a place called Canada, which at that time appeared to only be a small part of this area. So here we go with Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Part 2, The Lord of Canada. How our captain caused the ships to return back again, only to know if in St. Lawrence Gulf there were any passage toward the north. Chapter 2 Upon the 18th of August, being Wednesday, our captain caused his ships to wind back and bend toward the other shore, so that we trended the said northerly coast which runneth northeast and southwest, being fashioned like unto half a bow, and is a very high land yet not so high as that on the south parts. The Thursday following we came to seven very high islands, which we named the Round Islands. These islands are distant from the south shore about 40 leagues, and stretch out into the sea about three or four leagues. Against these there are goodly low grounds to be seen full of goodly trees, which we, the Friday following, with our boats compassed about. Overthwart these lands there are diverse sandy shells more than two leagues into the sea, very dangerous, which at low water remain almost dry. At the furthest bounds of these low lands that contain about ten leagues, there is a river of fresh water that with such swiftness runneth into the sea that for the space of one league within it, the water is as fresh as any fountain water. We, with our boats, entered in the said river, at the entrance of which we found about one fathom and a half of water. There are in this river many fishes shaped like horses, which, as our wild men told us, all the day long lie in the water, and the night on land of which we saw there in great number. The next day, being the 21st of the month, by break of day we hoist sail and sailed so long along the said coast 
that we had sight of the rest of the said northern coast, which as yet we had not seen, and of the island of the Assumption, which we went to discover, departing from the said land, which thing so soon as we had done, and that we were certified no other passage to be there, we came to our ships again, which we had left at the said islands, where is a good harbour, the water being about nine or ten fathom. In the same place, by occasion of contrary winds and foggy mists, we were constrained to stay, not being either able to come out of it or hoist sail till the 24th of the month, on which day we departed and came to a haven on the southerly coast, about 80 leagues from the said islands. This haven is over against three flat islands that lie amidst the river, because on the midway coast between those islands and the said haven toward the north, there is a very great river that runneth between the high and low lands, and more than three leagues into the sea it hath many shelves, and there is not altogether two fathom water, so that the place is very dangerous. And near unto the said shelves there is either fifteen or twenty fathoms from shore to shore. All the northerly coast runneth northeast and by north, and southwest and by south, the said haven wherein we stayed on the south side is, as it were, but a sluice of the waters that rise by the flood, and but of small account. We named them St John's Islets, because we found them, and entered into them, the day of the beheading of that saint. And before you come to the said haven, there is an island lying eastward about five leagues distant from the same between which and the land there is no passage saving only for small boats. The haven of St John's Islets drieth up all the waters that rise by flowing, although they flow two fathom at the least. The best place to harbour ships therein is on the south part of a little island that is over against the said haven, whereby the bank or shore of the island riseth. Upon the 1st of September we departed out of the said haven, purposing to go toward Canada, and about 15 leagues from it toward the west and west-southwest. Amidst the river there are three islands, over against the which there is a river which runneth swift, and is of a great depth, and it is that which leadeth and runneth into the country and kingdom of Saguenay as by the two wild men of Canada it was told us. This river passeth and runneth along very high and steep hills of bare stone, where very little earth is, and notwithstanding there is great quantity of sundry sorts of trees that grow in the said bare stones, even as upon good and fertile ground, in such sort that we have seen some so great as well would suffice to make a mast for a ship of thirty ton burden, and as green as possibly can be, growing in a stony rock without any earth at all. At the entrance of the said river we met with four boats full of wild men, which, as far as we could perceive, very fearfully came toward us, so that some of them went back again 
and the other came as near us as easily they might hear and understand one of our wild men, who told them his name and then took acquaintance of them, upon whose word they came to us. The next day being the 2nd of September, we came out of the said river to go to Canada, and by reason of the seas flowing the tide was very swift and dangerous, for that, on the south part of it, there lie two islands, about which, more than three leagues compass, lie many rocks and great stones, and but two fathom water. And the flowing amidst those islands is very unconstant and doubtful, so that if it had not been for our boats, we had been in great danger to lose our pinnace. And coasting along the said dry sands, there is more than thirty fathom water. About five leagues beyond the river of Saguenay southwest, there is another island on the north side, wherein are certain highlands, and thereabouts we thought to have cast anchor, on purpose to stay the next tide. But we could sound no ground in a one hundred and twenty fathom, within a flight shoot from shore, so that we were constrained to wind back to the said island, where we sounded again and found thirty-five fathom. The next morning we hoist sail and went thence, sailing further on, where we had notice of a certain kind of fish never before of any man seen or known. They are about the bigness of a porpoise, yet nothing like them, of body very well proportioned, headed like greyhounds, altogether as white as snow without any spot, within which river there is great quantity of them. They do live altogether between the sea and the fresh water. These people of the country call them adhoitus. They told us that they be very savoury and good to be eaten. Moreover, they affirm none to be found elsewhere but in the mouth of that river. The sixth of the month, the weather being calm and fair, we went about fifteen leagues more upward into the river, and there lighted on an island that looketh northward, and it maketh a little haven or creek, wherein are many and innumerable great tortoises, continually lying about that island. There are likewise great quantity of the said adhoitus, taken by the inhabitants of the country, and there is as great a current in that place as is at Bordeaux in France at every tide. This island is in length about three leagues, and in breadth two, and is a goodly and fertile plot of ground, replenished with many goodly and great trees of many sorts. Among the rest, there are many filbird trees, which we found hanging full of them, somewhat bigger and better in savour than ours, but somewhat harder, and therefore we called it the Island of Filberds. The seventh of the month, being Our Lady's Even, after service we went from that island to go up higher into the river, and came to fourteen islands seven or eight leagues from the Island of Filberds, where the country of Canada beginneth, one of which islands is ten leagues in length and five in breadth, greatly inhabited of such men as only live by fishing of such sorts of fishes as the river affordeth, according to the season of them. 
after we had cast anchor between the said great island and the northerly coast, we went on land and took our two wild men with us, meeting with many of the so country people, who would not at all approach unto us, but rather fled from us, until our two men began to speak unto them, telling them that they were Tainuanyi and Domagaya, who so soon as they had taken acquaintance of them, began greatly to rejoice dancing and showing many sorts of ceremonies. And many of the chiefest of them came to our boats and brought many eels and other sorts of fishes, with two or three burdens of great millet, wherewith they make their bread, and many great musk millions. The same day came also many other boats full of those countrymen and women, to see and take acquaintance of our two men, all which were as courteously received and friendly entertained of our captain as possibly could be. And to have them the better acquainted with him, and make them his friends, he gave them many small gifts, but of small value. Nevertheless, they were greatly contented with them. The next day following, the Lord of Canada, whose proper name was Donacona, but by the name of Lord they call him Aguhana, with twelve boats came to our ships, accompanied with many people, who, causing ten of his boats to go back with the other two, approached unto us with sixteen men. Then began the said Aguhana over against the smallest of our ships, according to their manner and fashion, to frame a long oration, moving all his body and members after a strange fashion, which thing is a ceremony and sign of gladness and security among them. And then, coming to the general's ship, where Tainuanyi and Domagaya were, he spake with them and they with him, where they began to tell and show unto him what they had seen in France, and what good entertainment they had had. Hearing which things the said lord seemed to be very glad thereof, and prayed our captain to reach him his arm, that he might kiss it, which thing he did. Their lord, taking it, laid it about his neck, for so they used to do, when they will make much of one. Then our captain entered into Aguhana's boat, causing bread and wine to be brought, to make the said lord and his company to eat and drink, which thing they did and were greatly thereby contented and satisfied. Our captain for that time gave them nothing, because he looked for a fitter opportunity. These things being done, each one took leave of others, and the said lord went with his boats again to his place of abode. Our captain then caused our boats to be set in order, that with the next tide he might go up higher into the river to find some safe harbour for our ships. And we passed up the river against the stream about ten leagues, coasting the said island, at the end whereof we found a goodly and pleasant sound, where is a little river and haven, where by reason of the flood there is about three fathom water. This place seemed to us very fit and commodious to harbour our ships therein, and so we did very safely. We named it the Holy Cross, for on that day we came thither. 
Near unto it there is a village whereof Donna Connor is lord, and there he keepeth his abode. It is called Stada Connor, as goodly a plot of ground as possibly may be seen, and therewith all very fruitful, full of goodly trees even as in France as oaks, elms, ashes, walnut trees, maple trees, sidrons, vines and white thorns, that bring forth fruit as big as any damsons, and many other sorts of trees, under which groweth as fair tall hemp as any in France, without any seed or any man's work or labour at all. Having considered the place and finding it fit for our purpose, our captain withdrew himself on purpose to return to our ships. But, behold, as we were coming out of the river we met, coming against us, one of the lords of the said village of Stadacona, accompanied with many others, as men, women and children, who, after the fashion of their country, in sign of mirth and joy, began to make a long oration, the women still singing and dancing up to the knees in water. Our captain, knowing their goodwill and kindness toward us, caused the boat wherein they were to come unto him, and gave them certain trifles as knives and beads of glass, whereat they were marvellous glad. For being gone about leagues from them, for the pleasure they conceived of our coming we might hear them sing, and see them dance for all they were so far. There is a striking thing in this document, which might go unnoticed at first glance and that is that this is one of the few documents written by Europeans about their early explorations of various parts of the world where the explorer gives the people he meets names. Now this is not unknown, but it is very rare and all of these three people become quite important in this text so it's worth remembering those names. And it's never quite straightforward and we've got this so-called Lord of Canada but remember that this is the French describing him in this way and his name as Lord appears to be Aguhana, but he's more commonly known in this text as Donna Connor, and he'll take on a very important role later on in this document. The other two local people are these two men, Tanyuanyi and Domagaya, and these were the ones who were taken back to France at the end of the first voyage, and here they are on the ship again. Now at the moment all appears well, but the more we hear about these two men, the more we realise that they're not in love with France as appears to be said here, rather they're quite resentful and are the source of some plots that take place in future episodes. And just to repeat those names as I'm going to say them in this text because I could easily have got them wrong here, it's hard to decipher the spelling. We've got Domagaya and Tainuanyi, the two men who went back to France and are now on Cartier's ship. These men are acting as intermediaries between the local people and the French. And then we have this leader of some sort called Donna Connor, who also has the official name of Aguhana, though I don't think we hear that name again much. Thank you for listening to this latest episode by Long History. The intrigue begins as Cartier heads further up the river, so don't forget to follow or subscribe to Long History to be informed of when future episodes are released. Please do like it if you can before you move on to help promote Long History. Really, everyone's help's appreciated there, so thanks a lot. This was Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Part 2, The Lord of Canada.
Goodbye.